Podcast number 154, now a member of the Global Ag Network. My guest this week is Greg Machinery, Pete Peterson. Greg and I discuss auction trends through the third quarter heading into the fourth quarter, and we talk farmer settlement, model year 12 through 14 equipment at the auction, auction volume, and the widening spread between auction value and retail advertised price. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, and you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and GlobalAgNetwork.com. The Talbot Brothers have a new song out called Someday Soon. If they sound familiar, they wrote the Moving Iron Podcast theme song. Give it a listen and make sure to hit them up at Talbot Brothers on Twitter. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. I miss home. But there's a feeling in my bones Like a part of me don't know What home is anymore And all these lights Keep me frozen in time While the ones I love Keep moving down the line Sometimes I want to be on my own
Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Got Aaron Fennell here with me again, and we're heading into that peak time of the year where it's auction season, baby. And unlike previous years, it seems like the auction season started in like January of last year or January of this year instead of uh, of October of this year. So um, kind of a weird season we have going on there now, but it kind of shows you the demand that people are looking to have upgraded. So Aaron, how you been, bud? Good, good man. Cool. So I guess what's your uh, what's your take to what I said there? It, it seems like we've had plenty of auctions all year long. There's never really been a no one's really let their foot off the gas when it comes to the number of auctions that we've had so far this year. Well, that I, I'd say that's accurate. There and there's been some kind of odd timed auctions across the country, and a lot of that is due to our shitty commodity prices because nothing has any value right now (laughs) and and i know you know several different times throughout the country throughout the year uh, and obviously throughout the country there have been you know i know of a couple instances you know scattered around where guy was you know for, for instance, guy trying to get financed, trying to get financed, trying to get financed, couldn't, and then kind of a last-minute auction deal where, you know, it, uh, as far as odd timing and scattered through the year, I know there's quite a few instances of that. Um, I know here through summer and through fall, there is quite a few instances of, you know what, I'm tired of the battle, I'm out. Um, and then you have a healthy, healthy dose of the online auctions, whether it be big iron or auction time, a lot of iron going through there, pretty steady all year long. Um, and that's, you know, that's, there's some dealers with doing that. There's some finance companies doing that. Um, I know as we have flooded with, you know, auction update stuff on a daily basis, there's, you know, just a, I, it's way past calling it a trickle. There is just a very steady, if not heavy flow of stuff pretty much from here to the end of the year that is going to be going on i know i've talked to a few dealer buddies here and there and they're kind of talking about you know the the on-site physical real life auction deal um quite a few dealer buddies have purged a large number of pieces into the online world so it's it's been a it's been a whole year thing and it's you know, as you said, Casey, starting in January, it's been pretty constant and it's going to continue being constant. Obviously, because it is auction season, but a very heavy constant between now and the end of the year for certain. Right. The one thing about the current state of the auction market that we see is all the online auctions have made it real easy to make it 
it's not like the dog and pony show where it's the event and all that stuff and it's a big deal and all that. You know, every Wednesday, whether it's auction time or Big Iron or Purple Wave or uh, Proxy Bid or uh, you just name it, you name the online site, seems like all of them have a Wednesday auction. And it's, oh, made, yeah. it's made it very easy to, to list stuff on machine. And, you know, if you look at it from, from the, the dollars and cents perspective, there's not the cost of, of trucking something to the local consignment sale or any of those kind of things. You know what I mean? It's just, it makes it, it's made it pretty easy to handle that. And you put the pictures up, you put the videos up, you do that kind of stuff. And people have grown very accustomed to just uh, doing those auctions online and, and buying stuff online, kind of quasi sight unseen outside of the pictures and videos that are there, but not actually going physically putting their hands on it, you know? And so it's it's made it pretty easy for for folks to have those auctions and uh like we've talked about and like i've said a few times is the auction auction marketplace is getting closer to the to having more retail buyers in it than uh what people want to admit and i think there's a there's going to be a growing trend line i think going into 2021 um all the way through 2020 that the online auction is going to be is really going to solidify itself as the uh, the place to go buy equipment, right? And you're exactly right with that. And the the auction world has been has been full of retail buyers since thirteen. Yeah, quite honestly, absolutely. yeah. Um, but you got to keep in mind the problem with the online auction is you you don't if you have your schnapps and your coveralls. You're going to get awful damn hot and sweaty sitting in the house watching. No, that's, you're right. You're true. And, you, and where, where do you get your $2 hot dog? You yeah, know? Exactly. And that bag of lace chips you, that goes with it. It's like a meal deal. Right. Yeah. You, get, you get the meal deal. Yep. You get you get a can of pop, a bag of, a little bag of chips, and a hot dog or a hamburger for four bucks. Yep. And that's the problem with the online world. You, you just don't get that. Yeah. You take they take all the fun out of it. That's worth, <laughs> that by itself is worth the price of admission, all the way for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, you know what else? <laughs> with uh, as you know, something that which is really cool that that uh, Peterson has mentioned a few times, and you know, the data supports it. When you get those god awful weather events of an auction, oh yeah, it drives the bidding way up. You know, I've been at auctions before. We've been there together where you can't feel your feet at noon, right. and they have two rows done. Right. <laughs> and, and if you're there to buy, it's one of them deals where you're like, I am leaving with that son of a bitch because I have a frostbite and I'm going to make it worthwhile. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Those. Uh those online things that's that's the other thing too though even those ones where there's the on-site stuff like a solvent auction or something like that where there's there might be three or four hundred people at the sale but there's also another 800 people on on the internet watching it you know what i mean and exactly yep so yeah i mean the on-site thing is is it has its place and it is what it is but man i tell you what the online bidders <clears throat> are as hot and heavy on that stuff as, as anybody else is. And that's, Oh yeah. And so that's why I think now the difference between 
like an online thing, whether it's it's Sullivan's or Stephus or or Richie Brothers or whomever it is, the the big irons and and uh, and like the purple waves and auction times and stuff like that, it's a uh, it's just a it's like an every every Wednesday thing. So there's not that that whole kind of thing, you know. They don't get they don't send out the you know the the Christmas catalog of all the stuff they got going on for the year and those kind of things. So there is a level of hype up between, between the, the, the online Wednesday auctions and, and the, the site like planned out like, Hey, in two and a half a week or two and a half months, we're having an auction at, at wherever Iowa. And we're going to, here's, here's what we have in there so far. And we're adding stuff to it. Or when those guys have their big yearly consignment sales and they got the drone above you know, the, the, the lot and it's got $14 million worth of inventory sitting on it. <clears throat> Those are the kind of things that kind of build a little hype be, behind that stuff that you don't get from the, just your typical online everyday Wednesday stuff. I mean, that's kind of my opinion, but that's kind of what, that's kind of what I feel when I look at that stuff. No, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. And I think I got I got to be careful here with the industry point of view because personally I'm an enormous fan of the dog and pony show and I think it has tremendous benefit but you know from an industry non-expert standpoint you got to look at it from a you know cost basis analysis is that the right fancy words they threw a bunch that, of yeah <laughs> you, you you gotta look at it that way too you know so i i i personally prefer the 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 real thing the hype up um and i and i think it's i think it's definitely worthwhile to do that um but at the you know at the end of the day you got to look at it from a okay we can do this and do all this and do all this or we can send these few emails to our auction time rep and we're done right yep or, or bigger rep. yeah and if if you take a look at it from a cost analysis there's two different ways of looking at it right you've got the um usually typically the the typical online avenue has a little bit cheaper um cost of doing business than than the online or than the you know the the full-blown on-site deal but that's not necessarily true all the time some of those right some of those have a they have about a similar percentage and then unless you're looking at something like auction time where it's just a certain dollar value per piece you know what i mean and it's not right percentage so it's there's there's some there's there's some pros and cons to all that stuff but um I really think it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're just trying to like, we like we are auction strategy, right? So our strategy that we do is depending on what the piece is, depending on where it is and what it is or how much of something that we have dictates where we send it to. Right. Correct. If we got some, if we have some like older pieces of equipment and we only have one of them, we're probably just going to send it to an online auction. Right. But if we're going to have a full blown, you know, eight, 10, $12 million auction or something like that, we're probably going to have the hype of the online sale or of the uh, on-site sale. So those are the things. Exactly. And those, those are strategically, I think all of those auction avenues have a specific place in the business 
and they're all good at what they are, but you have to recognize what those are. And then also what works best for your company, for your, for your, you know, your situation, whether you're, if you're doing onesie twosies or you're trying to trickle it across a, a, a four or five month period or something like that, there's a big difference in, in how that works and how that operates. And quite frankly, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, that the, the onsite thing is going to be much, is going to get you any more or any less than, than what the, the, the online stuff is because really dude, it's how you, it's how it's represented. Right. And that's the one thing about the online side of it is that representation is, is on you more than it is on the auction company where the onsite deal is it's on the auction come onsite auction company and how they represent it, how they hype that piece to do that. So there's, there's a lot of give and take there in, in philosophies and approach. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, you, that's absolutely correct. Yep. But in, I guess I would, I would argue the point a little bit, you know, where, where you said that, you know, depending on the day, depending on the situation, the online can do better. I think the only way that online ever beats a, and when, and when I talk on site, I mean at your place, not the consignment world. Oh, okay? actually, yeah, definitely agree. The, the, the only, the only time online ever beats the, the on site hype up dog and pony show thing is if it's a turd that you cannot see that online. Right. You know, if you've got a good piece, it's always going to, it's always going to bring the chips by a fairly decent amount more on, on the, the real life on site dog and pony show auction. Right. Agreed. Agreed. If you have a, uh, if you got a piece of equipment that is going to be, uh, if you had a, a 500 hour, uh, engine hour, four wheel drive tractor, that's one or two years old. It's going to bring the same. I, on, I think personally, it's going to bring relatively the same on whether it's live auction or whether it's an online auction. That that kind of stuff there is. But if you have a a fifteen year old uh, thirty series tractor, you know, and you're gonna and it's got seven thousand hours on it. That I think that brings more on a online or a, not online an on site auction where people are touching it, feeling, looking at it, and all that stuff, and they're driving up the internet. Where the other side is, everyone's kind of taking a gamble and a risk on what the pitches look like and the and the figure eight that they do in the the driveway. Um, on right. The, you know. Oh, look, they're blue black smoke. Okay, cool. So it runs good. So <laughs> you know what I mean. That's the that's the kind of stuff there. So. You're right. The piece. Well, and the other thing where, you know, that that's exactly right. The, where the on-site, and in fact, I would probably flip-flop in true politician form and say, if you're talking about that 500-hour tractor, uh-huh. it might actually do more online. That's if, yeah. if, if you, if you hit the right timing with it, you know. Right. Back to your thirty series thing, that that's exactly right. And our our favorite thing to discuss on the Moving Iron podcast is twelve through fourteen combines. That's a wonderful example of something that's gonna do better 
in person than online because online there is five bazillion of them on auction and how many pictures can you possibly take and put on there to represent every little thing that guys on site are going to climb all over and look at and all that kind of thing, you know? And then, then you, I think you take a, you take a 12, 670, you throw it on online auction. I don't care which one you get farmers on it and you get wholesalers on it. The farmer is actually on an online auction going to bail out of that combine before the wholesalers will because they just don't know what the hell it is. Right. On site, the wholesalers bail out of that before the farmer because he's there, he sees it, he's touched it, that other guy over there in the pioneer hat is pissing me off because he's running me up and I'm going to make sure I get it. You have, you have that dynamic, which tremendously helps the problematic areas of the machinery business of current times. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a good point. And that's, that's why I think, um, why you see some of these like retirement sales and estate sales and those kind of things, that that S670 combine that you have an example on the on-site side of it will bring almost retail, if not more than retail, that you have sitting on your lot because two guys are fighting over it at the actually they're on-site and the internet's saying, well, if these two guys are still bidding on it, it must be a good machine and here's my ultimate number with my freight and everything kind of figured into that. So if they think it's a good machine, I'm, I'm going to trust their their opinion as well so i'm just going to keep keep right up there with them until i get to my number and <clears throat> where i'm like you said on the other side, the flip side of that on the internet side is guys are just kind of yeah they're trusting pictures and they're trusting the uh the video but at the end of the day they really don't know they haven't actually seen it and feel and touched it and all that all that fun stuff exactly so. all right man well I think that's good stuff. I think we've uh, once again solved most of the world's problems here on the Moving Iron Podcast. So, uh, Aaron, you got any final thoughts before we shut this thing down? I really don't, man. I really don't. That's a first. I know that's hard. To, I know that's hard to believe. Yeah. But I guess it's true. I can actually be shut up. So there you have it. <laughs> right on. All right, buddy. So <laughs> to, uh, if folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get hold of you? Um, pretty active on the Twitterverse at Aaron Fintel on there, or, uh, call me, text me 308-760-1193. Right on. And this is Casey Seymour and you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at moving iron LLC. You can also send me an email at moving iron podcast at moving iron podcast.com. So, uh, also check out the global ag network. That's where you can find the moving iron podcast as well as iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere else that you can find podcasts, um, you can find the podcast there. So, Aaron, till uh, next week, buddy. Have a good one. We'll catch you down the road. You bet, man. Moving Iron. Hello, and welcome back to Moving Iron Podcast. On this segment, my guest is the one and only Greg Machinery, Pete Peterson. 
and uh, he's always gracious enough to come on the podcast here. He has uh, two cents on what's going on in the marketplace. So, Greg, welcome to the show, man. Hey, glad to be here, Casey. I thought you were going to say uh, I was feeding you my BS. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you uh, you speak the truth, man. So that's always uh, that's the fun part about listening to what you have to say. So. Speaking of that, listening to what you have to say, you've 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 uh, you've branched out a little bit here, and you started a new podcast here of late. I've got about what three or four episodes in. Is that about right? Yeah, we got four episodes in. I'm I'm trying to uh, follow in the footsteps of a friend of mine, uh, Mr. Seymour. So yeah, it's been fun. Uh, try to go some different directions and uh, talk to people related to just kind of rural and of course machinery and. Uh, yeah, I'm on my way now, heading back to Rochester, meeting up with the folks at Gray Duck Vodka. They, uh, well, the guy retired from the Minnesota Vikings, Chad Greenway, uh, one of the investors, and they use Minnesota corn uh, to make this premium vodka. So, yeah, we tell stories related to egg, and uh, it's really fun. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of vodka, so I'm, I'm looking forward to trying some of that. that, uh, <laughs> it's, that it's good stuff. I'll hook you up. All right. That sounds great. Now, I've been listening to your podcast, man. You're doing a really good job knocking it out of the park as usual. Wouldn't expect anything less from you, but that's a uh, that's a cool uh, cool venture, and, and congratulations to your to your startup there, man. Well, thanks. We, uh, we're just trying to continue to grow the business, and uh, I guess all those years ago when I was growing and building the business, I just I sort of felt like I, no matter how much uh, content you give people about farm machinery, they, they want and need more. Yep. So the podcast is the latest way, and okay, we're just having fun with it. Yep. Yeah, that's a good time. Gives you gives you plenty of reason to keep up on what's going on around you. That's for darn sure. So, but anyway, all right, Greg. So here we are wrapping up another quarter, and I always like to have you on here towards the end of the quarter and kind of get your uh, get your your kind of uh, reaction to what you've seen happen so far. Um, here we are ending up in the third quarter and I mean, quite frankly I haven't really noticed a uh, a real let up on the auction block it seems like the uh, the year end auction cycle that we've normally seen in the last three months of the year actually kind of picked up here uh, kind of mid-summer and it's kind of rolled into where we see it at now so I guess kind of talk about what you've seen happening and, and kind of give me your idea of, of what you think about the overall volume of equipment out there on the auction block right now yeah, well, uh, once again, you're right on top of it, as always, Casey. Uh, uh, that's sort of exactly what I've been seeing, too. It, it used to feel to me like year-end, kind of November, December, you know, has always been a really good time, active time. Buyers are out. Uh, used valuations are strong. And sort of the two quarters before that, uh, second and third quarter, not always, but quite often over the last 30 years, I've been tracking numbers, sometimes get a little soft. Uh, but this year, even with all the uh, headwinds we have, boy, you know, good condition used stuff. You're right. There hasn't been a drop-off. And actually, if you go back to July, when the price of corn and beans spiked a little bit there on one of the optimistic periods we had for the markets, uh, it was instantaneous. Uh, auction pricing went up a little bit. And then even though, you know, commodity prices fell again, what I continue to see through August and now into September, it's, if it's good quality used equipment, the values are holding really steady. And as I 
talk to people every day or travel around. I mean, I've been at two auctions this week. I've stood there talking to people, and I totally get it. That, you know, people come up and say, oh, boy, prices must be tough. They must be falling. It's like, well, no, not really if it's good condition stuff. Now, if it's average condition stuff, I mean, that is getting a little bit softer, but I think the demand for good use is people you know, have to keep their fleets updated. You know, that's driving the bus here. Yeah. Now, that's a good point. You know, there's a lot of folks that have done a lot of stuff to their combines over the last three to five years, just trying to get through the, the next year and trying to make things happen. And and um, I really feel like a lot of guys have hit that point of diminishing returns where they've, they've put it, what they can as much as they can and as often as they can into these machines to the point now where they're, kind of weighing it again, like, do I spend another 20 grand on my combine or do I spend that 30 grand on my combine or whatever it is? Or if I go ahead and get that, that 25 or that 10 or 15 year old tractor I got now, do I go ahead and spend the money to, to get that upgraded when I could maybe look at some of this other stuff out there? And and I, I think there's still that, that, like I've said before, there's still a little bit of that, not because they necessarily want to upgrade their equipment, but they're kind of looking at it as almost like I have to upgrade it. Are you kind of getting the same feel for with when you watch those auctions and you see people out there bidding yeah that's exactly what it feels like casey the, there's, there's a couple ways i look at it one is just a pure price point right so you put whatever it is a combine or planter tractor sprayer up for sale and okay what did it bring and how does that stack up so again the good condition stuff to me this this trend really started back in november 17th when we started to see a little a little uptick in auction pricing, even though things were still tough. Uh, and to me, the price point was one part, but the other part was when you were, when you talked to the buyers or the, you know, they were just verbalizing that, well, now I, I had to get, yeah, it was just the right time for me to get into that different combine upgrade. You know, if they bought new, that's cool. Or if they go the used route, you know, it was very competitive bidding for the nicest ones. Um, so on the, on the combine front, like you were saying, I, I would echo that. And I know we were filming for our TV show earlier this week up in northern Minnesota. Nice farm retirement auction, two guys about 70. And we always film with dealers when we go do these shoots. And I, I asked the dealer up there in northern Minnesota, kind of Red River Valley. I said, well, what's been the most surprising thing to you this year, 2019? And he didn't hesitate. He said, I've been surprised at the number of, you know, late model used combines on our lot we've been able to move. Now, he did say, you know, we were trying to be pretty aggressive with our pricing to help things along, but he said they were surprised the number they moved. So, yeah, the market market's still moving. Yeah, yeah that's that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it, it is still a price-driven market. We're, we're selling payments. We're not necessarily selling um price point we're selling that payment and, and i think that's gonna yeah for a while and that's why leasing is still such a popular uh, avenue guys are still exploring um as that kind of ramps up here kind of towards the end of that 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 peak buying cycle um that we see coming towards the end of the year here but um one thing i've noticed greg and i you know with with machinerypeak.com and, and the data that you guys can track i kind of look back in history here a little bit and, and kind of take a kind of go back through my mental Rolodex here and try to remember some facts about stuff that were going on. And when I looked at 
kind of the difference between what the advertised retail price is and what the actual auction value was. Um, there was a big gap between those two numbers, 2014, and in some cases it could have been up to you know a hundred thousand bucks. You know, you're looking at someone asking two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a for a combine, and the same combine selling on the auction block for one hundred fifty. Um, I'm starting to notice that that gap starting to kind of widen up a little bit. And there's starting to be uh, some where, where it used to be fairly tight, and there was a, a anywhere from a ten to twenty percent range between those two numbers. That's that gap is widening. Have you noticed anything like that on your website, the data that you guys track? Well, uh, good question, Casey. I, I would say in select areas we are seeing that. Uh, I would say you know four wheel drive tractors we're watching a little bit. Um, some softening there and the ratio you were talking about the average auction price compared to the average dealer advertised price yeah that that's a kind of a key metric for me i i didn't really publicize it or write about it much back but it was 2003 i i hired an employee for our, our at the time very small machinery beat company and, and their mission was to just compile dealer advertised price data because i wanted to compare that to all the auction price data we had. And what I found, again, generalizations are always dangerous, but we have enough data and we've been doing this long enough, 16 years now, that what I would find is that 71 to 76% was the ratio. The, the average auction price was about that percentage of the average dealer ad price, historically. And then like you said, in 14, 15, I mean, you, you were looking at the right spot there. The gap got really big, and and then it tightened up, and now in certain areas we are seeing it spread out again a little bit. So uh, it's just something I try to keep my eye on every day, and uh, to me it tells the tale because it tells you a little bit how dealers are reacting on the lot. Are they dropping prices? Are they holding steady? Is the volume of dealer listings dictating a drop in that asking price? And then, of course, on the auction side, the brutal beauty of the auction data is that it's very quick. So it just tells you how the farmers feel. Like in July, when we saw the corn and beans spike, like I said before, immediately auction pricing that week or 10-day window just went up significantly. And now it's a little bit interesting to me that on the flip side, when the commodity prices have fallen, at least at auction, we haven't seen a corresponding like big drop yet, but you know that's not to say that might happen tomorrow. So we just keep our eye out every day for it. Okay, so today you're at an auction, you're talking about up the Stephus auction you're up there at, and, and kind of talking to the folks that were there. Um, a lot of folks took advantage of not just front month and and you know December contracts in 2019. They're also taking some advantage of some of those uh, you know forward selling opportunities in 2020. With, with the prices they were when they were up in that 425 to, you know, 430 range. Guys are selling that stuff, contracting stuff out for a long way. So there's a lot of guys that have set yep. themselves up for a couple of years worth of decent decent return on their farm. Not necessarily crazy by any means, but they're, they're going to be going to have some money in their pockets. Um, what was some of the sediment you got from the folks you were talking to, you know, the boots on the ground folks out there? What, what were some of the sediments you got from them as you were having those conversations with them? Well, it's funny you, you painted that picture, Casey, because I had that exact same conversation up in Deep River Falls, Minnesota, at the auction we filmed on Tuesday. 
And this auction, again, the guys were seven years old, retiring. Uh, the equipment was really nice equipment. They had four versatile tractors. So, you know, really good machines, but always interesting to see how they do hard cash. But as we were filming, a guy came up, and he was bidding on one of the tillage items, which the tillage items were very strong, by the way. John Deere 2210 field cultivator and a 2410 chisel. Uh, but he was saying, yeah, he locked in at a certain price level. And, you know, again, not a home run, but he was, he, he's fine. He's making money, feeling positive. So there's, there's definitely that. Um, it's funny when, uh, you know, there's always the henny penny crowd and it's like, you know, oh my God. And things are tough. I mean, I'm not saying they're not, obviously, but, uh, you know, farmers are smart operators and they see opportunities. So I'm definitely seeing that, you know, they're locking in. And then when it comes to equipment, I think they're just focused on, you know, what do I need on my farm to to make me better, increase ROI. And, you know, we saw that with planters, some, you know, increased demand there. And now maybe, you know, maybe some shifting into the combines, you know, the tillage, that's an obvious need. So it's interesting to watch whether the dollars are low. Yeah, that, that's something I'm paying attention to as well. I mean, I, I kind of get that same cautious optimism um, from the folks around here when I talk to some producers and what have you. Um, you know, yeah, there's there's a ton of stuff going on around them. There's the trade thing just won't go away, and and you know all the different stuff we see happening. You know, we're in a political uh, election year your cycle anyway, and it's yeah. And there's all kinds of stuff going on there. So there's distractions all over the place. And you know the markets react to those those different distractions um, positively and and um, negatively you know what's coming out. But um, you know China has come back to the table to buy some stuff, especially pork, and um, you know that's got some that's got a few things heated up a little bit and and what we see happening there. But um, I guess you know long term as you look out here towards the end of the year, moving into this last quarter of the year, what are some of the uh, what are the, some of the key indicators that you're looking for, and what are some of the uh, some of the outcomes that you think, kind of based on what you've seen thus far, uh, that you'll see it up the auction auction block uh, heading towards the end of the year? Yeah, well, a couple of things I want to KC again. To me, it's a very positive sign for the for the market overall that that sort of a late spring through early fall, you know, given all the headwinds, has actually been okay. For used valuations, we haven't we haven't really stubbed our toe huge there. So to me, that's now we're carrying in towards the end of the year, November, December, which historically has been strong. So that's you know, we'll, I sort of given that things have been better than I thought here lately. I think through the end of the year, used values will be pretty solid. I that's my gut. One other thing I'm watching though is the is the volume of auctions. Because there's no doubt that's elevated. In fact, I don't think I've, I've ever seen the second half of August have so many machinery auctions. Yeah. These, there are a lot of farm, lot of farm auctions, retire, or restructuring or retiring, whatever you call them. And so far, you know, usually supply and demand, if, if the amount of volume goes up, you know, in this case on the auction market, ooh, we just shot up 20% number of sales you would think there's a corresponding, okay, well, then price drops a little bit. Now, I haven't seen that yet, even though the number of sales have been elevated. Now, I don't know if that's partially a commentary on 
uh, you know, more people looking for good used. I, I think that's the case because we, we see a corresponding data point at machinerypeat.com in terms of search traffic, which is the, the other thing I'm watching right now. You know, are the number of eyeballs dropping off in certain categories, you know, just people looking for whatever, that's tillage or planting or, uh, and so far, that's not happening. In fact, our buddy Dan up there with Reister and Schnell up there in Wisconsin had a great question on self-propelled choppers. The other, and I think you picked up on it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He was wondering if the late finishing corn might be resulting in increased demand for good choppers, harvesters. And so I, I thought, oh, that's a great question. So I went in and looked at the search traffic data, and it was like a 28% jump last 30 days. Now, whether that's seasonal or whatever, it's still facts are facts. There's more people looking. I looked the other day on planters. Even in this time of year, last 30 days, we'd seen, I think, like an 11.6% increase in search traffic to use planters. So to me, that makes sense. It mirrors what we're seeing on the auction market. Good stuff is selling well. So those are some things I'm watching. Um, I like to try and look out, long, you know, really long term, and it's really hard to do. There's not not much clarity with all the different political stuff and everything these days. But I'm really, in fact, I had a, a tax appointment with my accountant the other day, and he works with tons of farmers around here, southern Minnesota, northern Iowa, and I asked him some questions, and I'm wondering about the changes to the tax policy in 17 with Section 179 and how that was kind of beefed up. Now, nobody's talking about it now because, you know, it's not that much money flowing through the system. Right. But whenever that changes, that, you know... Based on what I've seen over 30 years, and particularly with with deer and controlling production, uh, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. Uh, so those are some of the things I'm chewing on. Yeah. So long as you think long term here, and I, I'm trying to do the same thing on on equipment and, and what values are going to look like and how they're going to affect uh, the the one and two year old stuff that come down the line. I start looking at like 12s, 13s, 14s. And even you can probably throw some 15s into that mix now. Model machines, whether it's combines, tractors, you know, row crop tractors, four wheel drives, planters, it doesn't matter. There's just a ton of that stuff out there, um, especially 12 through 14. Um, you know, I do, I do a, a measure that every month uh, by uh, hour range and to see where stuff's falling into and where, where some peaks and some valleys are. And there is a huge amount of stuff, especially when you start looking at combines or tractors or whatever it is, um, you know, a combine between 1,500, 2,500 hours, there's a big bolt of machines and row crop tractors between 5,000, 7,000 hours, there's a big bolt of machines. And you know, that's kind of all that year model that falls in there. As you're watching this stuff flow across the auction, are you seeing a, a slip in value? Are you seeing some stabilization or are you kind of, they've kind of hit that point where everyone just assumes that they're worth what they're worth and they they kind of consistently bring the same thing auction in and auction out well once again you're on the key the key issue my friend because again it's really hard to generalize but if even if we talk combines here so what i'm seeing is yeah the, the volume of those machines in that in that model year range 
you talk about, I see the same thing. There's a ton of them, and a ton of them with that, you know, that higher hour price point. Now, if we look at the auction numbers on, on those machines, I mean, that's getting at that widening gap you referenced earlier because those, those auction prices are getting softer. And this is why it's challenging to write about, you know, oh, what's happening with the used combine market? Well, there's a number of things happening. That's one of them. The other, but the, at the same time that's happening, I'm seeing it more like a, they stick out like a beacon, like the ones that are low hour. Like I just, I saw something come through this morning before I left for this auction. It was a case I had 7088, I don't know, it was like an 09 model or something, but it had really low hours on it. And it's almost like it was glowing because I, I can, when that gets out there, people will go, oh, look at that. And what will happen is you get five, six guys that want that one. And it might, you could argue, wind up selling too high. So I'm trying to stay in the farmer's ear and say, you know, kind of collectively, guys, look at the 13s, 14s, 15s. Look at that, yeah, that four to seven-year-old range, whether it's a four-wheel drive tractor or a combine. Talk to your local dealer. There's some really good opportunities here. Um, and, yeah, you might have a few more hours, but... And that's, that's where the one thing I'm interested in, Casey, is to watch how dealers, and now that there's fewer dealers and with the consolidation, bigger, larger groups, how are they, how are they handling pricing? Are, are some, you know, offering price specials? We're getting into the year end here. Our machinery beat business, you know, we'll be running a year end kind of a, uh, I forget I technically what we call it, but it's kind of a, like a you know Black Friday kind of a deal. Dealers can offer a special price. We'll promote the heck out of it. Uh, so it feels like we're starting to see more activity. Dealers getting some aggressive pricing. Um, so yeah, there, there's a, there's a spot there. I think I'm telling farmers, you know, be aggressive. Call your dealer. There's some some good deals there. Yeah, I would say the same thing too. I look at guys that are looking at these older machines and there's guys we've talked to that are that typically year in and year out go out and rent that machine every year for for a harvest or whatever they want that one extra machine to harvest and the way our rental rates are compared to what a lease that same machine is it the the savings is it's astronomical right i mean you could see and lease one of those machines for between i got 12 and 15 model combines that we can get somewhere between Twenty thirty thousand dollars a year to rent it or to lease it, and it's more than that to rent it. You know, so I mean, and it's yours to have for the duration of the lease. So I mean, you can do what you want with it. But there's some hangups right. that start talking about you know, repair costs and those kind of things. But honestly, it's bang for your buck. And what's that look like? And quite frankly, to your point, there are some bargains to be had if if you know what you're looking for. Yeah, I think the thing with, uh, you know, and it's, it's, auctions have always done a good job identifying where the buying heat is, I think. So it's one thing to see a high price, but then if you see, like on that 2210 field cultivator on Tuesday, it was a 55 and a half foot, and you could just visually see if you're standing there at the auction, oh my God, these three guys are, they're fighting over it. And I, I don't have, I can't remember the exact number it went for, but three guys came up to me afterwards and I'm like, wow, you believe? But that thing brought, and it's that's telling because it, it shows you what everyone is after. But to me, if you pull back from that, the real opportunity lies in 
you know, getting ahead of the curve, you know, strike before the iron's hot on some of this stuff. You know, everybody wants that nice 8 to 10-year-old combine. So we see that stuff at auction where, you know, we talked about it last year, that like that 9770 in Idaho, or we've seen some 9570s in all colors. And you you look at that and you go, wow, it's apparent that everyone wants that low-hour, 8 to 10-year, 12-year-old machine, but, you know, back it up, you know, and look at the pricing on a 6-year-old one. And then, you know, just open your eyes, guys, and, uh, you know, take a look. But as humans, we, you know, sometimes we kind of act in groups, and uh, we we flow the same direction. Right. Uh, It's interesting to follow, for sure. Yep. And one one of the most probably sleeper items that are out there that, unless you really just pay attention to what you see happening and and really pay attention to auction values and what's on dealers' lots, the tillage market is one of those things that was dead for a very long time. Um, And in the last, probably, I'd give it the last probably maybe 18 months, 12 months for sure. Um, where that has picked up and picked up rapidly. And a lot of it is they've ran the same disc for five years and they now they're kind of at a point where they kind of got yep. out of it. They need to get something different. And but like you said, that yep. good stuff, like those three guys fighting over that, uh, that those piece you're talking about there, you, you can see some stuff sell for more than retail value on dealer, dealer, or dealer lots. And that's a right. surprising thing to watch. I remember... Casey, I remember on auction last summer, I was, I don't know if I told you about it, I was in Missouri, in the northwest corner, and at the time, they were, it was kind of burnt up down there, and they had a nice John Deere 4730 sprayer on the sale, low hours, retirement sale, and a father and son came up, and they were like, hey, Pete, what do you think of that sprayer? And I was like, yeah, nice, nice machine, and they told me, I said, well, are you guys looking at it? And they're like, yeah, and we hope we can get it for X. And their number, I knew they had no shot. And I was like, well, but but that number, they said X, that was the number like two years earlier before there was a little run and more sprayers went up there, like tillage as here more recently. Right. But to me, again, it's training yourself as a buyer, which is weird and hard to do, but be aggressive when nobody else wants it. And that's where the value is. Now, they wanted that sprayer at 85,000. I think it brought like 118 or something, and their heads dropped. They're like, oh, well, you were too late. And it was funny because the son, he's about 25, and that, we talked for a while, and then the dad left to get a hot dog or something. And the son, he kind of said, yeah, I, I was telling dad we should have got. And it's like, yeah, well, you were right in this case. Most, most cases, it's best to listen to your dad, but <laughs> in that case, dad needed to listen to the son and say you know what now is a good time to be aggressive there's deals on sprayers let's let's do it yeah yeah it's a uh there's deals to be had out there and there right now there's there's some very hot spots in the marketplace but there are also some very average cool spots too and, and knowing what those are and doing your research and getting your kind of ducks in a row before you head to the auction or get on the internet start looking for a piece of equipment or whatever it is um I always kind of had this idea that if I'm looking for a piece of something, um, whether it's a car or truck or whatever it is, if I'm looking for it, I'm, I'm, there's nothing special about me. So somebody else is probably looking for the same thing as well. And trying to find those, those, those deals when no one's really thinking about it, that, that's when you can make your, uh, 
really make a return on your money. Right. It's, uh, I think it, it's, it's hard as humans because we, it's the falling knife theory. It's like, well, if, if an item is falling in value, there's a tendency to want to stand and wait definitively until it's flattened out. Well, that, that's, it's good to watch and pay attention for sure. And we, we hope our auction price data has helped with that for people for 30 years. But also, when you analyze that data, it, it should give you confidence at certain points that, like, you know what, now is a good time. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, fascinating to watch over the years how these values fluctuate. And one thing, actually, I didn't mention it before, Casey, but I'll really be watching end of the year into early 2020 is, uh, you know, hard cash price differences geographically, given, you know, what 2019 was. I mean, every auction I go to, it's unbelievable. Today I was in uh, Kingsley, Iowa, northwest, just outside of uh, Sioux City. And I'm talking to a young guy after the sale. I'm like, well, how's your, how are you guys looking? He goes, it's our, it's our best crop ever. And driving down, I was looking at some of the corn. I was like, ugh, that doesn't look very good. Now, you get into Indiana and Ohio, parts where it was, you know, unbelievably wet. And I don't know may affect guys, uh, how would you say, their uh, sentiment. You know, if that's going to make, if, if they have pre-plant or they're just, you know, not, I don't it's potentially, I've seen this over the years where you get little, especially on items over 200,000 bucks, which these days can be quite a few things. And if you see an area where it might be 5% cheaper now, well, that's a lot of money now. So if you're a buyer in Iowa or Minnesota or Michigan, you might see a spot where, oh, that whatever, that 36-year-old planter is, is selling cheaper in Indiana or whatever. So I'll be really interested to try and track that and uh, keep tabs on it. Yeah, that's, that's, good. that's good data points to keep track of and, and knowing where to sell stuff at and, and uh, really paying attention to those things because, quite frankly, from a guy like me, if I have a chance to either buy something or sell something, I want to buy it for as cheap as I can. I want to sell it for as much as I can. And that's uh, right. that is very important to anybody. It's yeah, and actually, you're actually, farming or not, that's the same, it's the same concept. Right. Yeah, I was uh, actually, that's one of the things we've tried to do with our machinery beat business is, uh, you know, go beyond that part of the equation and identifying where the soft spot or the hot spot is. But then on the proactive side with marketing tools, you know, allowing you as a dealer to to actively market into an area that's, you know, like the guy in Kings, Kingsley, Iowa today told me, well, this is the best crop we ever had. Well, if they were smart with their marketing, you know, they might be more aggressive buyers this year. Now, you know, and if you're a dealer in an area that, you know, it got washed out and is more negativity well you might want to actively message to that guy and that's so that's why we built those tools to help you do that yeah now looking forward to see how those tools play out and what they look like i think like you said that's a very powerful thing that can make a big difference in in how uh, everybody does business and uh across the uh, entire north american continent so um kudos to you guys for coming with that concept well, we, we appreciate all our dealers' uh, feedback. That's really kind of driving the bus for us. Uh, you know, you guys know the industry 
Uh, we're trying to support as we can. And again, you know, I grew up, my dad was a dealer going back into the 60s, and his dad and grandpa were. So, yeah, we live in a cool age with these new digital tools, but it's, it's finding the right, appropriate ways to use them on the marketing side. That's what excites me. I've been 30 years compiling auction price data to hopefully help you guys figure out, well, okay, this is the hard cash value. You know, maybe I don't like the numbers, but at least I know them now. Uh, but now let's get proactive and say, okay, but, you know, where are the dollars flowing? How can I message and keep things moving off the lot so they don't sit for as long? And, you know, so you don't have to take them to auction. Keep them moving at a higher price point. I know. Yeah, exactly right, man. Know your market and, and price accordingly, and, and you'll uh, you'll sell equipment. That's for sure. So, that is for sure. So, all right, Greg. Yeah, that was. Uh, oh, I was just gonna say, Casey. That's yeah. That's what my dealer up in northern Minnesota told me. You know, moving those late model combines, but he did qualify. He said, you know, we did price them right. So if you're plugged in, uh, yeah, find that price when they'll move, and that's what we want to help you do that. Right on. Okay. All right, Greg. Well, we've been going here for a little bit, and uh, I thoroughly enjoy talking to you when you come on. It's uh, it's got great information as usual. If folks want to reach out to you and uh, get a hold of you. What's the best way for them to do that? Well, just our, our website, machinerepeat.com, has all our contact information there, Casey. Uh, 800 number, email. We've got a great staff at our office in Chicago. Uh, Farm Journal, who I partnered with, they built a great team around me. They said, Pete, just keep doing your thing. Let us help you out. And then we have a great office there, Kevin Doyle and the folks. Yep. So reach out to them or uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Just hit me up, Machine Repeat. Uh, I'll, I'll be out there chipping away. Yep. Yeah, Kevin and, Kevin and his team, they do a great job, man. So uh, kudos to them. Take my hat to those guys with the stuff they're coming up with. So, But I uh, guess I will, uh, I'll see you here in a couple of days here in Nashville coming up. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. That's uh, always fun. You have an awesome event there. What what year is this now? Year six, uh, five, uh, seven? Seven, I think. Yeah, seven. seven. Wow. Yeah. Hats off to you, brother, for creating that. That's that's quite a thing for the industry. You you've uh, you've made quite a difference with that. Well, I appreciate that. It's a lot of fun to get everybody together and talk about what's going on. It's a good couple of days to just kind of learn about what's happening in other people's areas, and and you get a good chance to. Yep. Drink a few beers with some fellas you haven't seen for a while, so that's even that's probably the, the funnest part of it. That's good stuff. All right, Greg. Well, you take care of yourself, and we will catch you down the road, bud. All right. Thanks a lot, Casey. Catch you later. Bye. Moving in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here